The text for the sermon uh, uh, is, uh, is taken from the gospel. A little while and you will see me no longer. Again, a little while and you shall see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will see, not see me. In a little while you will see me because I go to the Father. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen. What I want to do is to concentrate not just on the, on the content of what the disciples are saying here, but actually what the disciples are doing uh, because we've been talking about uh, deification and things like that and, and in particular it has to do with the image and likeness of God and I want to highlight what this means uh, to us. Uh, and uh, so has everybody had their coffee? Okay, I don't have any to share with you, but I hope you've had your coffee. Uh, and if not, just kind of, you know, get with it because this is, this is a sermon. <laughs> and I want you to pay attention to it. Okay, you'll see why. Anyway, I want to begin by identifying the image and likeness of God in man. And I'm basing this on, on the disciples here, you'll see. And, and, and what I want to say is that it begins with experience, the givenness of experience, not the experience I preached about a few weeks ago uh, when I talked about how experience can be mistaken for knowing. Just experiencing something isn't knowing something. That's another issue. Uh, and, and, and nor is it the experience of the, uh, as experience as a modern article of faith that drives people from one experience to another from one job to another, from one spouse to another, always trying this or that, uh, fearful uh, of missing out on the experience in life that'll, that'll give my life meaning and happiness. That's phony. Uh, what I want you to understand and to experience as a Christian is exactly what the apostles are experiencing in this passage. Are y'all with me? And what they're experiencing in this passage and what I want you to experience is namely your own attentiveness, intelligence, reasonableness, and responsible self-consciousness. Have you heard this before from me? I guess you have, haven't you? Your reasonableness, your, your att attentiveness, be attentive, be intelligent, be reasonable, be responsible, and to take possession of that. I want you to take possession of that capacity. That's exactly what the disciples are doing here. When they say, what is this? And not, they're not doing it individually. They're doing it in a collaborative way. They're doing it together. Uh, it's your own attentiveness, intelligence, reasonableness, and responsible self-consciousness that I want you to get a hold of and see uh, what that is. And because as you do that, you will experience the image of God in you uh, that, uh, that, that has been in your life since you were born uh, and in fact was renewed in your baptism. So the first thing I want you to understand because we're talking about the image of God, first thing I want you to understand is that the image and likeness of God is not something that you will come to know by introspection, okay? You're not going to be able to, you know, find a room and turn down the light and put on new age music and go within yourself and discover the image of God because it's not there. That's not what the image of, of God is about. 
because the image of God is not a matter of abstract concepts or just centering yourself or getting in touch with uh, your uh, interior uh, life. But you will come to know the image of God. Listen to this. You will come to know the image of God as you increase your activity and you appropriate it. Oh, man, this is going to put people to sleep. I know it is. And I don't want it to because this is really critical for our life today. But it's so easy. I'm not complaining about y'all. I'm not looking at you and saying, oh, my gosh, Jason, you're going to sleep on me. I know you're not. Uh, none of you are doing that. I understand that. But I, I want you to understand how, how critical it is because it, it, is, it does have to do with appropriating the, the image of God for our living responsibly, attentively, reasonably, responsibly, godly, diligently, and humbly. That's the first thing. You're not going to find the image of God by introspection. Second thing I want you to understand is this, that the image of God is not a thing. It's not an entity. It's not a piece of yourself that you'll see by gazing into the mirror. The image of God is quick, living, lively, powerful, uh, and is, is experienced, uh, first of all, uh, as what learned folk of the past would have called potency. Potency. Potency, which means basically potentiality uh, or power or strength, uh, though that power or strength is never entirely dorm uh, dormant. The Greek word that's translated for potency is dunamis, which usually is translated in the New Testament as power or strength. So the image of God is a potency, that is, it is, a part, it is part and parcel of what it means to be a human being. It is uh, a consciously experienced in your own attentiveness, your intelligence, your reasonableness, and your intention to live responsibly and loving in this world. And as you practice that, as you realize that you can be attentive, you can be intelligent, you can be reasonable, you can be responsible, you can ask Jesus and the other, what is he talking about when he says he's going away to the Father? That's an experience of exactly what I'm talking about, and you all have that experience constantly, and you have to be in touch with it. You have to appropriate it. You have to take hold of it uh, for yourself. Uh, and as you do that, the image of God, as you become more and more conscious and more and more intentional in that, the image of God uh, it will, will take and shape your life. Third point I want to make about this uh, is that far from being uh, something to be gazed upon or a grand idea to be held in your mind, you actually experience the image of God when you buckle down to being a Christian and get serious about living intelligently, reasonably, and responsibly uh, because when you do that, and frankly, nobody can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. But as you do that, you experience the image of God, not as potency, not as potential, but what learned folk of the past used to call in actuality, in act itself. You have to act. You have to move. The word that we usually translate here is the, a Greek word, energia, which is just what it sounds like. Uh, it means basically, a literal translation would, would be being at work. 
So you have to get moving in order to understand what I'm talking about. You have to get moving uh, in, in order to understand and to, to grasp the image of God in your own life. And once you do that and you see that what I'm saying is true, then you have hold of something uh, 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 that, that God has uh, created. This uh, being at work, which is uh, potential, has become actualized in activity. Furthermore, as you appropriate the image of God for constantly intentionally increasing your activity and living responsibly and forming responsible judgments that lead to responsible action, then you will achieve, you, you will, as you do this, you will achieve self-transcendence. More and more and more, you will be able to transcend yourself and grasp reality, which is all the word, the, the word truth is not something inside. The word truth means only one thing, really, and ever has, and it means reality. That's all it means. So we just think, you know, what is truth? Truth is, truth is reality. And as you transcend yourself, you will discover afresh what it means to lose your life in order to find it. And to the degree that you consciously and intentionally appropriate the image of God, you will grow an authentic Christian life, and growing an authentic Christian life will keep you close to Jesus, and that'll make you happy. Okay. One last point about the image of God, uh, and then we'll get on to the sermon. I'm just kidding. Calm, calm down. Ready to storm the Bastille, aren't we? Calm down. I do have a little far to go here. The last point about the image of God is this. The image of God is not an add-on. Listen to this. It's not an add-on to human nature. It's not merely a gift to humanity, but rather it is the sine qua non of human nature. You don't have human nature apart from the image of God. That's the way we were created. He didn't create man and then say, hey, I think I'm going to add. Right? Go back and look. He didn't create man and then say, I'm going to go back and add the image of God to it. He created us from the beginning in uh, the image uh, of God. It is the chief mark of our identity. It's precisely what separates us from the rest of the creation. It's why we don't behave like we're in an episode of the animal planet. Right? <coughs> <coughs> We are creatures sculpted from dirt, made in God's image, and the, very, and, and, and the very creature that has the potency and actuality to love and rule reasonably and responsibly over his creation. That is a fact. That's the way we're created. That the image of God uh, and uh, the image of man uh, not only separates, from, separates us from all other creatures, but it is actually what makes us fit to rule over all of creation. <coughs> of course, that's challenged now. And that's why this is so important. The reason this is important, the reason I repeat over and over again uh, uh, that the image of God is summed up in the activity of being attentive, being intelligent, being reasonable, being responsible. The reason I, I do that is because we live in a day in which these essentially human activities are no longer thought to be valid and meaningful. They're simply brushed aside. Being in touch with reality 
doesn't matter because you can create your own reality, which is not true. Uh, and nihilism is just pure nihilism. Uh, anyway, nihilism, as Flannery O'Connor said, and I quote, is the very gas that we breathe today. And one reason uh, for that is that our world is dominated, uh, and this is where this is coming from. This is what's underneath it. Our world is dominated by a philosophy of atheistic uh, materialism um, that takes all that exists and all that is real as matter in motion. That's it. Matter in motion. And that's it. Pure mechanism. Okay, I'm moving the subject now to, uh, to something else, but we're going to, I'm going to bring it back. This will land on its feet, I think. We hope so. Strict materialists insist that there's no such thing as what I've been talking about. There's no such thing as mind. There's no such thing as consciousness. There's no such thing as spirit because mind, spirit, and consciousness are non-material and non-material things don't exist. Non-material things are not real. <coughs> For the materialist, mind and or consciousness uh, is just so many elegant electrical impulses firing through the material substance of what we call the human brain and the human body. That's it. Nothing more, absolutely nothing more. In reality, there is no such thing as mind, spirit, consciousness, uh, being attentive, intelligent, reasonable, and responsible, uh, making uh, true decisions. Uh, the whole universe from the beginning, uh, from a materialist point of view, is composed of mechanisms that are either running well or are sputtering out and breaking down. That includes human beings. And so uh, once the machine breaks down, uh, there's nothing. There's no mind, there's no spirit, no soul that wings itself away. We simply go silent like the voices on a radio when you pull the plug. It rusts, it rots, it dissolves, and is absorbed by other materials. Uh, but you, or what you thought you were, is finished, non-existent, uh, no more. Yeah. All that exists is matter and motion. Stimulus and response, or more exactly, uh, uh, stimulus and twitch. Uh, materialists uh, remind me very much of Jack Burden's nihilism in Robert Penn Warren's great novel, All the King's Men. Have y'all read that? Some of you know that novel. Absolutely wonderful novel, All the King's Men. You should read it. Uh, Jack Burden's a, but he is sort of the model for modern man <coughs> in that. And Jack comes to the conclusion about midway through the story that, and I quote, all, all the words we speak mean nothing. This is Jack talking. He's a reporter. Uh, all, he's a political reporter. All the words we speak mean nothing, and there is only the pulse of blood and the twitch of the nerves like a dead frog's leg in an experiment when the electrical current goes through it. That's all the world. This is Jack's, Jack Burden's, no doubt, his last name is Burden because he has one to carry. So that's it. There you have it. The universe and all that therein is is mechanical. It's machine-like. Uh, and what we call human intentionality 
what I've been referring to as a human subject, self-consciousness, responsibility, are fictions because the only thing that really matters uh, is matter and matter and motion. And that's all, uh, that's all that there is. And we end up with a, human, uh, with a universe, including human beings, that are really just twitching pieces of material things, responding to spasms uh, in other material things, uh, all of which will eventually wear out and stop. I mean, that's what's happening, is that the universe is running down and it will come simply to an end one day. And so it's what we call being dead. Uh, all art, all ethics, all high, lofty thoughts, heavenly thoughts or decisions, even decisions, even making decisions or willing or thinking is nothing but electrical impulses evoking a twitch. Now, it's twitch and response. Now, some things produce bigger twitches and jolts than others. I mean, the tremble of a butterfly uh, is nothing compared to the lurch of an earthquake, and that's nothing compared to the great waves of intergalactic twitching. Uh, but here's the thing, and I I'm being a smart aleck here, okay? Just warning. Uh, if you use your non-existent mind for just a minute uh, and think some non-existent thoughts, uh, you have to ask your non-existent self what started everything twitching in the first place. And if you continue to think about it rather than taking a nap or having lunch or watching some TV uh, or getting distracted, it will occur to you that nothing, 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 nothing ever begins twitching on its own. And so there must be, crazy as it sounds, an untwitched twitcher. Right? Gotta be. Gotta be. That started the whole thing moving. Well, it's quite a coincidence that what the priests of this age call matter and motion turns out to get our attention. And in fact, it turns out to be intelligible. It turns out to be reasonable and meaningful. It turns out that we can even know that thing through human willing and intentionality, and we can then live our lives reasonably and wholly in relation to that reality because <coughs> and this is what we know, because instead of an untwitched twitcher, uh, there is our loving God, Jesus Christ, who created all that is out of nothing but his love. And this one creature, us, human beings, he created as a crown of creation. He created in his own image and endowed him with the potency to know and to understand creation, to love it, to frolic in its beauty and its wonder, and to lead all of creation to the altar of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.